Matthias, welcome to our second episode Hi. of On the Record. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, uh, before we start, just quickly, uh, the reminder for all of our listeners, as always, uh, otr at axelspringer.com for all your questions, your topicals, um, uh, suggestions to us, um, and also to any kind of ideas. We've already had some great ones um, come in. Actually, it would be really good if we have questions from our employees. Do they do they reach out to you or not? Well, that much? right now it's still like people are learning the format. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we haven't had too many sort of topical suggestions and mm -hmm. questions to our interviewees, um, but we've had a lot of suggestions about the format, uh, and uh, people seem to listen in to the first episode. So that's great. Um, uh, we're very happy with the start, and as in the podcast business, continuity and you know, sticking with it um, leads to success in the long run. So that's what we're here to do. Um, Matthias, the second episode, we are now on the record. Um, in the second episode, you know, we're going to publish this on November 9th, which is quite a significant day um, in history, especially in a German and European context. On November 9th, 1989, um, the Berlin Wall fell right next door to the building that we're in right now. Um, what's your recollection of that time or even, you know, more particularly of that day? What was well, honestly, uh, uh, November 9th was for me a missed opportunity because I was in Munich in my office and watched the events on TV and did not make the decision to immediately travel to Berlin, which I regret until today. So I took the lesson from that. Whenever really something happened and you want to be there, go and don't miss it. Um, but it's too late to regret now. Uh, it's one of the most kind of uh, happy days in German recent German history. It's a day of uh, freedom. At the same time, we have on that day also the recollection of one of the worst chapters of German history when in 1938 uh, the Nazis were destroying shops and burning synagogues uh, uh, and other Jewish institutions in Germany. And basically, it's a symbolic day for uh, uh, the beginning of the Holocaust. Um, and um, in that sense, we, we, we have to remind us how threatened freedom always is. And we see it these days with the war in Ukraine, with the threats that China is basically uh, sending uh, to the Western world with regard to Taiwan and other issues. Uh, we see it in the uh, fundamentalist Islamist states like Iran, where women are going on the streets and fighting for freedom. So I think a lot of threats, a lot of uh, worrying things, and at the same time, a lot of very positive signals that people realize how important it is to defend freedom. So on the topic of freedom, I mean, that's one of the mantras, the, you know, the core value of our organization, as you always say. But what does it, you know, could you describe maybe I know it's a it's a very loaded question. But, you know, what does it really mean for us as an organization as a whole? Well, uh, the, the, the overriding purpose of this company is to defend and strengthen freedom. And that mean, means, most importantly, freedom in society, free and open societies, democratic societies, societies based on the rule of law, based on human rights. 
that is one part of it, but you have only credibility if you do that also within your own organization. So we also have to strengthen freedom, free decisions within our own company. And we have to empower our employees to take their own decisions and live uh, their lives according to their own uh, standards. The, the only limit of individual freedom is where it affects freedom of other people. That is the, the limit that should not be crossed. But apart from that, I think everything that we can do to strengthen a culture of freedom in the company Axel Springer and to strengthen a system of freedom in our democratic societies and with that strengthen democracy, I think that's the purpose of a journalistic company like Axel Springer. And even with our classifieds, we empower free decisions. We make sure that people can make reasonable and for them successful decisions. Um, in that sense, really, for whatever we do, freedom is the overriding value and purpose. So journalistically, um, I mean, quality journalism in Germany and internationally in the US and Poland, all of them are key to our organization and key to our uh, success going forward. Um, where do you see us, though, uh, there? I know we talked about it a little bit about the crises that are ongoing in the world, but um, from a freedom perspective, Where do you sort of see us and our role in, um, you know, fighting for freedom or sort of, you know, really making sure that we represent the free democratic values uh, and the value system in our journalistic offerings? I mean, that in society, freedom is uh, in decline and that democracies are declining is a proven fact. For 16 years in a row, Freedom House uh, has a think tank that is in a way Day, a year, on a yearly basis, um, uh, analyzing uh, the state of freedom in the countries of the globe. Uh, for 16 years in a row, uh, they have downgraded uh, more and more countries from uh, free to unfree or from partly free to free. That has never happened before. So objectively, freedom is in decline. We are Uh, standing up for our values, but we are no activists. I also want to make that very clear. I mean, freedom is an overriding value, like democracy, a kind of fundament of everything. By the way, also a fundament of free press. Without freedom, there is no free media. But um, I, I, I can measure how freedom is developing in society. I cannot measure how successful Axel Springer is doing in defending freedom. I think that is implicitly done Uh, wherever we act with our publications, it is hopefully implicitly done wherever we act as entrepreneurs in our organizations. But honestly, I cannot measure that. I, I, I think we are, we, are doing, we are doing a good job because we are courageous. If I read our publications, they definitely have more courage than most of our peers. Well, then also on the flip side, obviously, we have to be um, very sort of frank about that as well. Um, journalism also is not, you know, immune um, in these crises, not only from a, you know, ideological point of view, but also from a, um, you know, business point of view. Um, you know, where do you see the challenges really, um, both internationally and nationally with regards to news media? So first of all, I think we really have to distinguish, are we talking about journalism or are we talking about newspapers versus online publications. And if we are discussing about analog versus digital, then we see a big difference. 
analog journalism is structurally in decline with regard to advertising revenues and readership numbers, whereas online journalism is on the rise, both quality-wise and reach and revenue-wise. And that's why digital organizations prosper these days. Over the last years, how many journalists have been hired by Insider, by Morning Brew, by Politico, but also by other brands? A lot of new digital journalistic brands have been built. Semaphore is now the most recent start in the US. Puck is an example. Axios is doing incredibly well. So there are a lot of very successful journalistic startups, digital startups, and they are hiring people even during a crisis like the one that we are facing at the moment. Whereas on the analog side, of course, this crisis hits us and hits every publisher a lot harder. Fortunately, our exposure is relatively low. But yes, advertising clients reduce uh, spendings, um, basically in Europe and in America. And that has an impact and we have to live with the reality. We cannot ignore it. That would be irresponsible. So what is the reality then? Could you go into detail a little bit? Because that sort of, you know, sounds at least declining worrying. declining advertising revenues uh, everywhere uh, in some because areas it hits us really hard because of the recession um, the whole situation um, is difficult because on the one hand a lot of advertising clients don't want to advertise in the context of war and uh, terrible stories in news yeah. around that and on top of that the recession leads to a situation where some of the companies don't even have products to sell other companies don't have enough clients who want to buy it so that is a combination of negative psychologies inflation is another element we have to be prepared for tough times as I said last time but let's not get depressed about it. We have, we, we really have to be realistic and perhaps take that crisis as an opportunity to restructure, to be even more courageous in adapting our structures to modern times and be fit for the future. That's what we are doing with news media here at the moment in Germany, and that will very, very likely be finished before Christmas. We really want to create clarity by the end of the year, before the end of the year, so that everybody knows what is the new vision, what is the strategy, what does that mean, what do we have to do in order to achieve that. And that may also come with some um, restructuring that is not nice because it means perhaps to stop certain um, uh, unprofitable uh, activities. It may mean that certain uh, teams need to be uh, shaped in a, in a much smaller way, that we will simplify structures. But that's all ongoing and it's too early to talk about results because we simply don't have them, but we want to be as fast as possible in order to create clarity. Mm -hmm. So have the decisions that are being made right now been influenced by the sort of increasing recession or because one of the things that we no, I would say the recession just helps us to to be to act perhaps a bit faster and more decisively, but we are doing things that are necessary anyway. I think it would be not good to just uh, do things because uh, there is a recession and then miss uh, strategic opportunities in the future. In a recession, of course, you have to be particularly cost-disciplined. That's something that you can and have to do short-term. But everything else, uh, which is more for the longer term, should be done because we, we want to do it in order to be fit for the next five years. Um, let's talk maybe a little bit about the digital space and the other offerings, almost you know, aside from journalistic offerings a little bit. Um, 
you know, what are the chances? You, you talked about the, the opportunities that lie in, in, in the digital realm, even though you know we do have the recession. What's what's an example? Honestly, for me, it's not. Uh, so for me, it's not a question of digital or not digital. For me, it's a question of true entrepreneurship. And wherever we have right leadership with true entrepreneurial DNA, we are successful. And wherever we have the mentality, well, I'm an employee, part of a bigger organization, so let's find out what the organization wants and let's focus on what is good for the organization and what is good for internal politics, we fail. So what I really encourage people is to forget about all these internal politics, about all this kind of tactical stuff that is always damaging, and focus entirely on the market, on, on the customers. And I will give you one example. I have been, uh, during that week, at Bonial. Bonial is a startup that we bought a couple of years ago under the name of Kaufta here in Germany. And what they basically did is the digital equi equivalent for analog inserts of real of retail advertisers. So the digital version of retail advertising is the business model of Bonial. Bonial was a star at the beginning. Then they wanted to internationalize too fast. That didn't go well. US was a failure. Then the whole business basically stalled and we had three years in a row flat revenues from 16 to 19 flat revenues, no development. People were very skeptical about the future of Bonial. Some people even said, we may have to sell it. I didn't want to do it because I thought it's strategically so important to have that because that's the future of digital retail advertising. And so a new team took over. And since the new leadership took over, this business skyrocketed. Revenues have almost doubled in year 22 compared to two years ago. Incredible and unexpected success. Why is that so? Because there's full focus on customers, full focus on the market, a very, very dedicated, driven team that interacts well with each other. And that means success. So for me, I mean, first of all, we are happy that Bonial is doing so well. But way beyond that, it is for me really a role model, also culturally and mentality wise, what everybody in this company should do. That's... Um but I do have to come back to something that you said before, um, uh, because you talked about restructuring, and that's also sort of a very loaded word. Um, you know, what should people expect, though? I mean, we did see some, uh, you know, some uh, decisions being made, both in the U.S. and Poland. Um, you know, do, is that part of that entrepreneurial spirit that we do have? Absolutely. To Let's take the example of Poland. They just acknowledged the reality and saw that certain assets were in decline anyway. And the perspective was very limited anyway. And then instead of saying, okay, we somehow muddled through, they said, okay, we have that structural trend. We have now the crisis and a very unclear and pretty kind of gloomy perspective for the next 12 months. Let's take a courageous decision and stop that activity. And they did it. Uh, with the Polish version of computer build, computer spiel. And I think also negative decisions are sometimes a sign of strong and courageous entrepreneurship. And um, maybe 
at the moment it doesn't feel very nice for our Polish colleagues because it also comes with certain job cuts. But I think it's always better to do the necessary things fast instead of hiding it away or postponing it to eternity. That that just makes the problems bigger and the pain will be will be bigger one day. So for me, that is also, although it's a negative news, but honestly, uh, with regard to the spirit, it's another role model. Matthias, um, thank you. We're out of time. A uh, bit of a, you know, more sober episode, but we look forward to speaking next time. Thank you. So do I. See you soon. <laughs>